You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Rapoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of the Bulldog Hour. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me, my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here as we keep uh, moving through these episodes, getting closer and closer to uh, the season kicking off. Um, looking forward to it and ready to talk a little bit about uh, actual uh, season, regular season uh, tonight. So that should be fun. Yeah, we're taking our first look at a regular season contest and as it has been for a number of years, I believe now close to a decade or maybe even over a decade, the first game of the Wilson season is against crosstown rival Governor Mifflin. Now, we may be seeing that changed just next year already in 2018 because of the switch to six classifications last year and continuing that this year. Teams are scheduling week zero games, which is usually the week of the second scrimmage. And no longer will Mifflin be the first game, for us at least, as of next year, when we move to the same type of schedule that Mifflin has taken upon themselves this year. So actually, Mifflin has a game on Wilson before they get to play the Bulldogs. And if you listen to episodes, episode two of the show, where we interviewed Coach Joms and Coach Wolver, they addressed that discrepancy in the scheduling and how that negatively affects Wilson, and for the most part is a positive for for Mifflin. And just to recap, if you didn't listen to uh, episode two, Coach Doms and Wolver basically said Mifflin will have the chance to get the jitters out of their system. They'll have played that game where you can practice as much as you want, but when you start to see things in real time, real action, playing opponents instead of against yourselves or even watching film, that's a huge benefit. And Mifflin and Springford will have that advantage over Wilson this year. Yeah, I mean, you can look at that, um, you know, in terms of what those first game jitters look like. You you don't have to go any further back than last year. Um, Mifflin looked out of sorts in week one against Wilson and quickly got it together and had a really good season, had a great season. Um, And, you know, so... You look at what is the difference between week one and week two, being able to get that week one or zero week, whatever you want to call it, that first game. The nomenclature is up out of the way, um, you know, and and get into a routine uh, with the team. You know, having the extra game gives you an opportunity for that, you know, in in terms of if it presents a a positive advantage for you. So tonight we're going to be talking exclusively Mifflin Wilson. But before we do that, we're going to take care of a little bit of business that we've been doing at the top of the shows for the first two episodes of Season 3. We just want to remind you there's a lot of ways you can follow and interact with us here on the show, primarily through social media. Those are the best places to go and help spread word about the show. Check us out on Facebook.com at Bulldog Hour or the official team account, Wilson Bulldogs Football, on Twitter at Bulldog Hour, at Wilson Bulldogs. You can find me at Coach Joe Mays, and you can find Justin at Mr. Underscore Raffoff. 
We're also on Instagram where a lot of the photos that I take on Friday nights or for other Wilson events are posted. Again, that's at Bulldog Hour and at Wilson Bulldogs Football. And lastly, if you're looking for an archive of past uh, video shows, you have to head to uh, the, the show page for Justin and my other sports show. It's youtube.com slash user slash Joe Mays and JRAF show. And if you're watching this on, on YouTube, you can see the link there. And we'll try to get some hyperlinks out on Facebook and Twitter on those accounts. And maybe I'll even add them to the future YouTube broadcasts. But those are great ways to follow and interact with us. You can also do so, uh, you know, what has become an old-fashioned way to do things. But email, always good as well. Show at BulldogHour.com or Joe at BulldogHour.com. Or head to BulldogHour.com and head to our contact page and submit your question, comment, suggestion, whatever you got, right there. And as a reminder, we will be doing this show live starting after the week one game against Mifflin. So the Sunday following that game on September 3rd, we will do Bulldog Hour episode 3-4 live. Lastly... Be sure to support the show. Again, it doesn't have to be in a monetary fashion, although we do appreciate that through sponsorship, advertising, or in-kind donations. But you can help to spread the word. Like and share. Like and share. Continue to visit BulldogHour.com. And I do want to take a moment here to thank our sponsors, uh, which is, for the third year, uh, May Sandwich Shop has uh, helped us out now for three years in a row, as well as an anonymous donor. that we mentioned uh, in the last episodes, but we want to thank them again for supporting the show for a third straight year. All right, so Wilson Mifflin in what is Wilson's week one. Mifflin week two, (laughs) or week zero plus one. Yeah, so it's a little bit confusing, but Wilson Mifflin, first game for Wilson, second game for Mifflin, and we already talked about the disadvantages for the Bulldogs in that aspect. But let's talk about Governor Mifflin. So probably the biggest thing they have going for them is Coach Vecchio returns. Yeah. Last year he was on a, 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 a kind of a health sabbatical. He was dealing with some health issues and handed over the main reins to assistants. He was still around the program but wasn't the head honcho. He's back and ready to go this year. Yeah, and that's... That's obviously great to see. Um, you know, I know there was some uncertainty last year as to how that was going to unfold and what what that meant moving forward and all that. It's great to see him back. Um, you know, he's he's been yeah, an iconic figure in this rivalry, as you know, because he's been at Governor Mifflin for so long. Um, so, you know, I think that adds to the rivalry, but it also it, it's good to see, you know, on their behalf as well that, you know, things hopefully – get back to normal, you know, in that sense, you know, rivalry kind of ends, you know, when we're talking about those serious health problems, but it's good to see him back. Um, Wilson doesn't need to do their part to welcome him back with too much, <laughs> too much though. No, but if yeah. they want to do what they did last year, you know, Wilson beats him and then they go on a tear. That's fine with yeah, me. Yeah, that's great, actually. We, that, we like to see, you know, what, you want your rivals to do well other than when you face them. Right, exactly. And, um, you know, if Vecchio's back and that means he's healthy, that's good, you know. Uh, the, the Wilson community was thinking about him last year when he took a step aside and was having some uh, some some battles with himself, but he seems seems to be healthy and back and ready to go, um, and that's only a good thing for the Wilson Mifflin rivalry. So, like I mentioned last year, 
the Mustangs fell to the Bulldogs at Gursky, but they went on a bit of a streak then thereafter, really hitting their stride. They had three more tough games in a row, finishing out the non-league streak of games against Cocalico, which they won 17-13, and then against Wilson's LL Nemesis Mannheim Township, who the Mustangs beat 28-20. Then, in what ended up being the Burks won league championship game in week four of the season last year, Mifflin held on to beat Exeter 28-21 with a goal line stand at the end. The Mustangs raced out to a big lead in that one. The Eagles clawed back, but came up ultimately came up short, and Mifflin because of that early season victory, ended up winning back the Burks won title from Exeter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you think back just a year before, I think Exeter had ended um, Mifflin's long, long streak of league championships and things there. Um, Mifflin restored that last year, like you said, in, in kind of like a classic game. We obviously weren't there, um, but um, kept getting the updates and, and all of that information seemed like a good one. Yeah, and Mifflin after that just went on an absolute tear with no close games whatsoever. They clobbered Daniel Bu- Daniel Boone, West York, Muhlenberg, Redding High, Fleetwood, and Conrad Weiser to finish the regular season at 9-1. and one. They then walloped Waynesboro in the first round of the District 3 5A playoffs 41-14 to before ultimately succumbing to Harrisburg 46-21 to in the District 3 5A semis. And obviously, we know what the Cougars did last year. So, falling to them, you know, you can't blame them. Yeah, there's there's nothing to hang your head about in, in that loss. Um, you know, and, yeah. Harrisburg was kind of a machine last year. Yeah. It looks to be just as much this year. So They were a very solid, good team before Micah Parsons showed up. And when Parsons showed up, they got completely changed yeah. and started demolishing teams, including the team that Wilson beat in the district championship, Cumberland Valley, uh, yeah. 35-14. to 14. Yeah, I have to give it to them. You know, that's one of those where sometimes Harrisburg, this is a little bit of a tangent, obviously, but um, sometimes when you add a, a really talented piece like that, you know, it doesn't necessarily – benefit the team the way it should you know in terms of not everybody steps up they really everyone seemed to really step up even more last year when they added when they added one of the top recruited players in the country you know so for sure not just it wasn't just the addition of michael parsons but michael parsons was there which helps and everyone else started playing better too they were really tough so the end of the season you know obviously I hate to, for it to end that way, but losing to Harrisburg was, uh, you know, nothing to hang your head about at the end. And like you said, the, kind of the key there, and we, we mentioned this with that offset start of the season now, they stumbled week one, and then they didn't lose again until they played Harrisburg. till week 12. Yeah, so, uh, you know, what does that mean, you know, this year? We'll have to wait and see. Definitely. And, uh, you know, obviously, like every team does to graduation, there are key losses. Um, I picked out five guys that Mifflin's losing uh, that has, you know, a bit of a, a talent loss. It doesn't mean they don't have a lot coming back or young guys to step up. But from the 2016 squad that went 10-2, and two, they lost their part-time quarterback and linebacker in Austin Baker. Uh, he threw for, you know, they're not a throwing offense, so he threw for 377 yards, but he did throw nine touchdowns to no interceptions. So obviously yeah. good ball security from him. He also, in their... You know, rush first offense had 78 carries for 377 yards and four touchdowns. 
but luckily for the Mustangs, he wasn't their only quarterback. Then probably the the biggest name that they're losing to graduation, one of two, uh, Aaron Grill, another running back and defensive back. He had 47 rushes, 290 yards. He also contributed uh, 444 yards in re- receptions and uh, combined for 11 touchdowns. Yeah, he had a huge year for them last year. Um, he was so, a name you heard often. Yes, yeah, so that's that's one of the one of the key pieces they're going to be looking to replace. Uh, you know now you know in practice but coming up this season a, a few more um backfield contributors and uh defensive back or linebackers and donovan hardy he had a, a touchdown as did elijah mitchell and then perhaps the biggest one from the stat sheet loss you know it's lo- losing baker and grill is, is unfortunate for them but aj shepkowski 53 rushes 470 yards 20 catches for 530 yards and 17 total touchdowns that's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, offensive contributions to replace right there. Yeah, when you look at you know seventy three touches between rushes and receptions, and seventeen touchdowns and basically a well, thousand yards, you know that's exactly a thousand. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty amazing. You know, um, so you know, I'm sure they have the guys. You know, we talk about. We, you and I, talk a, a lot about Wilson all the time and how there's guys, you know, learning the system, working their way through. It's the same thing at, at Mifflin. So while they've lost a lot of production, you, you know there's going to be guys there who know the system, who are ready to step in and fill those roles and are waiting for their turns to kind of bust out this year. Yeah, and obviously you didn't mention any of the linemen, but there's yeah, going to be oh linemen gosh. in and out, and they always seem to have big guys step up. Uh, very similar to Wilson, where a lot of their literally and step figuratively up. Yeah. big guys, that and, step and, up. and they are big shoes to fill, but they seem to always be able to do it. So, not yeah. to slight the linemen, but I don't know enough about them to throw out names that have left or are coming back. So, It'll also be tougher for us to throw out stats. Well, yeah, exactly. The, I don't, I don't the, have pancake the, box stats. Yeah, the advanced so. metrics yeah. uh, databases on high school football aren't quite there yet. So. Yeah, and we always get aid <laughs> from LL media writers, uh, Lancaster newspapers, Pen Live. And the Reading Eagle always helps us that we can grab stuff from from their previews. And I have a ton of Wilson stats that I can rattle off myself, but the opponents are tough to come by. And if places like Max Preps don't have them, I, I can't find those. So defensive line stats like sacks and tackles, uh, unfortunately, don't have them yet for Mifflin. As we do previews for some of these other schools, we'll have those and we'll contribute to their source. But uh, to start now, I don't have information on the Mifflin linemen, but... Those five players, Baker, Grill, Hardy, Mitchell, and Chepkowski, 34 offensive touchdowns. Yeah, that's... So, you know, it sounds like I'm not, I'm not trying to sound like doom and gloom because it's obviously not. They have a significantly uh, yeah. strong team coming back this season. Actually, they returned 13 starters from a team that went 10-2. and two. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. That, that's a good amount. You know, um, you have, if you're just talking offense, defense, you have 22. So more than half of their team is back. Yeah. And one of them that I don't, not sure is included in this, because usually you don't include specialists, but one of the big guys they have coming back for them, their kicker. Yeah. Ben Myers was uh, stellar for them last year, and he returned. So you know if they get into the area where they can think about uh, getting three points, they're going to take advantage of that. Yeah, and you know. We we talk about it a lot. You and I usually on the sidelines of of uh, 
you know, high school football games because that's when you kind of really notice it uh, during warm-ups and things like that when you see the guys out there kicking. Um, having a reliable and, and good kicker in high school football, and I feel like we could say this even more in college and the NFL now, um, see Buccaneers or yeah. Saranon pick, but having a reliable kicker is a game changer, especially in high school football because there are teams that can't kick extra points reliably and there are teams that can kick 40 yarders reliably and that's a huge advantage when yeah. you get into close tough games well there are there are teams that will go for it on fourth and whatever from the 10 or 15 yeah. when you should be it should be saying that should be an automatic three point yeah fourth and goal from the 15 and you're you're going for it because you don't have a choice because you know? i mean from the 15 that's a, about a 32 yard field goal right. that sh- you would think should be automatic right. but in high school kicking is such a no. crapshoot right well, there's so much that goes into it. It's more than just, and you know this, I'm not. You got to figure out how to block. You got to right, figure out how to snap. You got to figure right, out how to hold. Right. Then you yeah. got to kick it. Right. Because when you think about it, it's kind of, it's different than a lot of other plays in football where you, there to some degree, you don't know exactly what's going to happen, right? A kick, everyone there knows what's going to happen. Well, you know, obviously for the, except for the fake, but everyone knows what's going to happen and you still have to try and stop them from blocking the kick and get the snap and get the block and get the hold and get the kick. And there's a lot to go on. And so, yeah, so Mifflin having, to have that ability is huge. Yeah. Mifflin having Myers back, that is definitely a positive for them. It's also a good thing for them, just like Wilson, quarterback running back, like yeah. the guys that essentially won them a lot of games uh, after the beginning of the year are back. The biggest one, it has to be running back and linebacker, Isaac Russ. Um, 184 rushes, over 1,100 yards. He had another 10 catches for 108 yards and 15 total touchdowns. So not as many as uh, Chepkowski, but he was the workhorse. And he is the guy. When you play fullback in that Mifflin offense, you know you're going to get the touches. You know you're going to get the yards. And he put up a lot. 184 rushes is a good amount for... (laughs) For a high school football. Well, and team. in a system that the quarterback takes it, wings, right. and uh, right. slots get it all the time. Yeah. There's a lot of people. And we, we talked about how many different people did we talk about? There's the ones that they lost yeah. that had over 20-some rushes yeah. on the course of the season. And for him to touch it 184 times, you know he was their workhorse, and he'll be back there again this year. And then the guy giving him the ball, Cameron Wolf, we saw him split time with Austin Baker, who moved on. He's back this year. He wasn't as prolific a passer. Um, hovering just over 50% completion-wise, threw for 922 yards. He had eight passing touchdowns, but did throw six interceptions. He also had 45 rushes for 69 yards and three scores. So he's back. Obviously, having your signal caller return is only a positive. And if he gets better as a passer, he could be very, very dangerous with that potent backfield and offensive attack that they run. Yeah, so like you mentioned, you know, in well, we kind of talked about it. The, the having key guys back who know the system, and then they're going to fill in other you know skill guys here and there who have who are waiting for their turn in the system. You know what you're going to get, and you know they're going to be disciplined, and you have to play extremely disciplined on that side of the ball. And playing that in your first game, you better be ready for it because if not, they're going to run all over you, which is what we saw they did last year to a lot of teams. Yeah, and Mifflin is a dangerous team when they get to the playoffs because, well, if they're in the playoffs, obviously they did really well and they have a great team. Second, if they catch a team that isn't used to defending their style of offense, that's when you see upsets from them because yeah. they catch a team off guard that even though they have game plan 
and game film of them. The Mustangs execute it so perfectly that teams have a tough time stopping them. And that's where, just to go back a little bit, you know, that's playing against that style. I know it's not identical, but playing against that style, Harrisburg, that was nothing new for them last year. You know, that was nothing new. They play Cumberland Valley, who runs a similar system, you know, where if you're not disciplined, you're going to get, they're going to run all over you. See Wilson in the first half of the, you know, of the district championship game, you know, didn't, you know, just, they were off by a little bit, not, not like they were blowing plays, but they were off by a little bit. Like, you know, the shoulder was out when it should have been in, you know, all just little things and CV doesn't miss those things. Right. That's how it can be when, when you're playing Mifflin, when, when they're clicking, if, if you don't make the right read or you are not playing disciplined, they're going to break it off for a 10 yard run or a 15 yard run or, or longer, but it, you gotta, you have to be prepared, or um, it could be a long night, and you might not get the ball a whole lot. Besides those returning players, and obviously a slew of linemen and other players that we didn't mention, they have a player that moved from Wilson to Mifflin in Darius Copeland, who was a potential factor for the Bulldogs. I believe Coach Wolver mentioned that in the interview we had with him on the last show. So uh, you know that he'll be ready to go on offense and defense for the Mustangs this year, especially in Mifflin's week, the second game for Mifflin against Wilson, which will be at Chillington Stadium Friday, September 1st. So I do you have anything else to say about Mifflin? Well, let, let's run down their schedule. Let's go yeah. over their schedule. Besides playing the Bulldogs, what else does Mifflin have this year? We mentioned they play Week Zero and they face West York, so who they played last. They have year. the same teams as last year. It just, they just shuffled, shuffled around shuffled a little order, bit. Right. Yeah. Well, I think actually they moved Week Six to Week Zero and called it a day. Yeah. And they just flip flop yeah. home and away. But for those of you that aren't familiar with the Mifflin schedule, Week Zero West York, then us in Week One. Week two, we go at Cocalico, who they beat last year. Week three, they go at Manheim Township, who they beat last year. Then, yeah, so a couple, I really don't know what to expect out of Cocalico this year. They tend to always be strong, but they run a similar system to Mifflin, so it's nothing new for them. They see it every day in practice, that kind of thing. Um, Manheim Township, that's going to be a tough game. Exeter. I know Exeter returns a few guys, so that, uh, 15, that could be a tough one, too. actually. Oh, man. Yeah. So, um, Mifflin doesn't have It's a, hard to return 13 starters in high school football and not have more than the returning starters than the team you're going against. Yeah, and uh, the returning starters, 13 for Mifflin, 15 for Exeter, come from Mike Drago's Reading Eagle article that was just put out a few days ago uh, about 10 things to watch for this season. So definitely, that, uh, that's for, gonna that has the makings of another classic game there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, in the first five weeks of the season, so week zero through week four, so the end of August through basically the end of September, Mifflin's season will be defined. Yeah, just like last year, you know, the, by early October. Yeah, you're gonna know exactly where this team. For stands. them to make the playoffs, they need to yeah, go eight and two. Five A is arguably the hardest division to make right. the they playoffs. Are, there in are twenty nine teams, and only eight make it. Right, and you know Harrisburg's gonna be one. Right, it, two losses may keep you out. Right, I was just gonna say Mifflin can go no worse than eight and two, which yeah. means they have to be and at West eight York. and two. At eight and two, it, it matters who their losses. You could are be two. six, seven, or eight, or out. Yeah. So playing yeah. at Harrisburg on in the first round of the playoffs. So. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to beat West York in week zero. 
then obviously Wilson will say is a toss up. At Cocalico has to be a win. They have yeah. to beat Cocalico. Yeah. At Manheim Township, that's probably a toss up. At Exeter, that's probably a toss up. Then they have at Daniel Boone, that's a win. Or it has to be a win. Week six, they have a bye. At Muhlenberg's, week seven, that has to be a win. Reading and Fleetwood back to back at home, both of those have to be wins before the season finale at Weiser. That has to be a win. So they can, they may be able to sustain two losses between week zero and week four. But they have at least at least three games, because we don't know much about West York and Cocalico. There are at least three games that are at best a toss-up with Wilson, Manheim Township, and Exeter. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, it, it's hard to say because we don't know a lot about those teams going in. And we'll learn about them, you know, before they get to some of those games, like the Exeter game week four. You know, they we will have a better idea of what to expect there. But the key being their schedule is defined early on. And then they get that bye kind of you know, week six to kind of regroup, but they, they heal a little, they'll be fine by then, you know? So, um, yeah, they could, they could really use it in week five, the actual week five yeah, after Exeter. That would yeah. have been the best time for them or, to have it. Or even after Manheim Township before, before Exeter. Exeter. Although we heard coach Doms and coach Waller say that sometimes having that bye before a big game, especially in high yeah. school, that can kind of yeah. eat away at your brain. You get a little lazy Lack of days ago, you think, oh, I have two weeks to get ready for this. It's tough. The high school athlete has so much going on. Well, And in football, especially because it's every week, you know, you play once a week and it's just everything is routine, you know, multiplied. You know, lots of sports have routines, but you might play, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week and Monday, Tuesday, Thursday next week, you know, in basketball, something like that. Here, you know, for the most part, they know I'm, we're playing Friday night at 7 o'clock. And then next week, we're playing Friday night at 7 o'clock. And, you know, so to get those routines that messed up, yeah, that, that could play a factor. But um, it'll be interesting to see how they do through the first half of that season. All right, so that's all we got for Governor Mifflin. We're going to take a quick look at the Wilson schedule and talk about who we should see out on the field. And that'll wrap up this third episode of the Bulldog Hours third season. Again, the schedule's up there if you're watching. If not, Wilson has Parkland and Redding in their two scrimmages before traveling to Mifflin on September 1st that we just previewed. They go back on the road in week two, September 8th, to go at Springford before coming home for the first regular season home game, September 15th versus Central Dolphin. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, welcome Dolphin. to Gursky. Here comes Central Dolphin. Uh, the Mifflin and Central Dolphin games will be broadcast live on WEU. Central Dolphin game at home will also be broadcast by the school district. If you're interested in watching the game live from afar outside the region, go to wilsonsd.org. Wilson Open League's play at home the next week, September 22nd against Warwick. Then they have at McCaskey. Host Penn Manor, host Lebanon before traveling to Mannheim Township on October 20th. Many think that'll be the Section 1 championship, but don't discount Warwick that we open up with the league play on September 22nd. Things I feel like we have to say every year. <laughs> yeah, right. October 27th at Hempfield before the regular season finishes November 3rd versus Conestoga Valley. And then the District 3 playoffs are three weeks in a row, November 10th, 17th, and 25th, followed by the state playoffs December 2nd and December 9th. So... You get ten, two scrimmages, 10 regular season games, and potential for five playoff games. So, who are the Bulldogs this year? We talked a little bit about it on previous episodes, but 
Quickly, we're going to run down expected uh, starters and contributors for the team. Obviously, we know that Connor Yurig is back at quarterback and Iggy Reynoso is back at running back. Also seeing time at running back will be sophomore Abdul McFoy and senior Hunter Regal. Offensive line, two returning starters, one of which is injured at the moment and we're not sure when he'll see the field. It'll be earlier in the season as long as everything goes okay. But we are welcoming some new players as well. So when healthy, uh, Chris Price Sr. will play left tackle. Guards and centers are up for debate where they're going to play, but we believe it's going to be uh, Nate Keller, Wyatt Schonauer, and Nick Drake, two of which, the latter two, are seniors. Nate Keller is only a sophomore. He played a little bit last year as a freshman. And then the the biggest position up for grabs is right tackle. We're hearing a few names uh, for that spot, and uh, it's coming down to Mikey Klein and um, Sam Zulik. Our other two names we've been hearing most recently. Obviously, that could train or could change with training camp coming, but those are the ones we're hearing at the moment. Then the biggest offensive position seeing an overhaul is what wide receiver. All that talent from 2016 is gone. No returning pass catchers outside of tight end Nick Johnson. Uh, the wide receivers possibilities are Trevor Tanga. He'll be a senior um, returning player, and we've heard mentioned in a few interviews uh, Sean McAndrew. Senior Alex Rydell and a couple other players have been mentioned along the way. Um, one of them being Chris Roberson and Andrew Weller. Now we'll look at the defensive side of the ball again. Defensive line, uh, a strength of the unit this year, uh, kind of flip flop from just a few years ago. But when healthy, Chris Price will be one of the defensive ends with Ed Ortiz inside a tackle. Uh, Wyatt Schonauer will get the call there. And then some of the defensive tackles that will uh, rotate in. Quinn Sprout is right there at the top of the rotation, as well as a few of the offensive linemen that I mentioned before. Inside linebackers were set there. Nick Johnson, returning starter. Trevor Hatley, returning starter. Hatley is a senior. Nick Johnson is a junior. Outside linebacker, well, if you listen to episode two, Coach Wolber said, we don't know yet. So, um senior Hunter Regal, I mentioned opportunities there, uh, senior Andrew Weller potential there as well. And we heard coach Wolver say that Iggy Reynoso may get the call in that position. And there's a few other players, including Chris Roberson that are vying for that spot outside. Again, when you lose your offensive wide receiver weapons, generally your defensive back take a hit too. That's the case here. Trevor Tanga played some time last year. He's likely to start there. Sean McAndrew also probably starting there. Abdul McFoy will get some time at cornerback. Then we have a converted cornerback to safety in Isaiah Gilmore. He started the latter half of his sophomore season last year. He's moving to safety. Also getting looks there will be sophomore Matt Fry and junior Cameron Magalotti. Kicking situation, not set yet. So I can't tell you who the kicker and punter are going to be or much about the special teams. And that was, again, one of the negatives of not playing the same number of games as your opponents to start the season. You can't practice special teams live. It's just too dangerous. Coach Dom said that in the interview. So that's another area that serves as a, a deficiency for Wilson as they take on Mifflin and Springford at the beginning of the year. But those are the names that are sticking out. 
I'm sure there are a couple that I, I, I missed, uh, and I apologize for that. But those are the names that I've heard mentioned and jostled about from the coaching staff and some of the senior players uh, that I've talked to over the last few weeks. So, Justin, what do you got to say about some of these guys well, in this season? You know, I feel like we have this conversation every year around this time. Um, there are some guys who we have a feel like we know what to expect from them this year, you know, and, and in order for the team to be successful, um, you know, they need to work hard to, to, you know, get close to achieve those, uh, meet those expectations. What we don't know are those, those open spots that you mentioned about. And, and you and I, um, a lot of times we'll look at it and be like, and try and talk, not necessarily, you know, on the record, on the show or anything, but try and figure out who's going to be the guy that like steps up where all season they just, it's a game, one game after another where you're just like, where did this come from? Yeah. You know, every um, year, every year. And there'll be one this year, you know, you, you hope, you hope there's a few of them, but every year I feel like around week three or four, we start saying like, Wow, where did he come where'd from? Where did this kid come from? Like, it not necessarily meaning that like we didn't know who he was. We probably do know who they are, and that's why it's, um, you know, just it catches you off guard. But they're the guys, and it talked about. You know, you mentioned the write-ups in some of the media, like the Reading Eagle and stuff, and they talk about it all the time. There's guys that buy in and work their butt off for three years or longer, depending on how you want to look at it, and. They do it for their chance their senior year. Yep. You know, and who's going to be that guy or those guys this year? We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But um, you hope that you have some of those to fill in around the guys, the upperclassmen who have some experience and some of the younger guys, like you mentioned on the line, you know, how there's um, a sophomore in there who got time as a freshman. Um, as a lineman, that doesn't happen very often. So obviously, very rare. You know, the the coaches feel that there's some promise there. You hope to continue to grow that, so that it's not like where was you know what happened. You know, you you hope you're not looking that way. You hope you're kind of looking the other way. Like, wow, you made a bigger jump than we were expecting. So you hope for that for the young guys. You need to get what is expected out of the the more known players, yep. and then. You need you need a couple guys to step up, you know, and, and take advantage of that time that um, comes in. And, and when and where that's going to be, you don't know. But you got to be ready week one because Mifflin's going to be ready. For you know sure. that. Um, that's another thing. Like with this huge rivalry being the first game or early in the season, depending on how, you know the other team's ready. Like there's no, you know, there's no like oh we we didn't expect it. Like, that's not going to fly. That shouldn't fly any week, no. but there's nothing there's nothing hidden about this game. The, the teams know what to expect, and uh, you better be ready. Four freshmen made the, the varsity squad last year, all of which are starting or expected to be contributors. You know, we, we mentioned Nate Keller starting offensive line. We'll see some time on defense. I know he's been playing some defensive end with Chris Price injured. He probably will slot in a tackle more often than not, depending on the package. And Abdul McFoy, obviously saw time at running back last year, expected to see time behind Aki there this year. Also, hopefully playing on defense in the secondary. Matt Fry, see some of him at receiver and safety. And John Ventura, who we didn't mention in the rundown of stars and contributors, but I know that he's uh, getting getting looks at um, 
the defensive line, hopefully we can see him contribute to there. And that's four sophomores that already had game time, um, even if it was just as JV or backup as freshmen last year, seeing time as sophomores always good. And there are two freshmen up on the uh, the varsity squad this year uh, in wide receiver and defensive back Troy Corson and uh, lineman Jeffrey Colson. So it, it's nice to see some of these young players getting the opportunity. Uh, having exposure for that extra year is usually invaluable for these young players. Yeah. Well, and don't forget, we talked about last year, the extra month plus of practice they got at the end of last year. Yep. So those four guys that you mentioned and basically everyone, you know, but especially those four have a season and a half of high school football under their belts already. They have 15 games and two scrimmages. You know, there, there are some guys who don't play that in their whole career, you know, if, you, you know, they don't really get playing time till later, you know. Right. They've got, they've played two scrimmages in 15 games last year. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. It's crazy to think about the, how, some, we've talked about, it, especially like the yeah. kids who play from freshman year through seniors, they essentially have played like five seasons sometimes five almost six five seasons. almost six seasons of football because of how many playoff games wilson plays right you know if you're a freshman you get 40 games well, that group that group has got a good chance i mean well i say that they had a good start meaning they're set yeah. up to play a lot of games if they continue if the team continues to do well they got 15 last year you know two years ago we saw john fox ike schonauer yeah, that group. Uh, you know, that group had a couple guys that were pulled up as freshmen. Shane Dantzler pulled yeah. up as freshmen, got to play for four years. Last year, we had two guys leave, and Alex Twyford and Foda Jallo. Uh, both of them were there for four years, and now we have a couple uh, couple groups in there that will also see that opportunity to pay, play fifty to sixty games. And like a lot, of, a lot of kids at other programs only play thirty. You pay from you know sophomore year through senior year. And you have regular season, but no playoffs. So yeah. these kids that play as freshmen at Wilson have a chance to nearly double the amount that some of the other kids get to play. Uh, so they have an incredible opportunity, and they nearly always take advantage yeah. of it. So yeah, so we'll, we'll wait and see. You know, we we spent some of the earlier part of the show talking about how we know Mifflin's going to have guys that step into those roles, and you know they're going to have a chance to figure it out week zero or week one. Um, Wilson better be ready and those guys better start to step in there in Wilson's week one or um, it's not going to be the result they're hoping for. So you need to be ready and you know I'm, I'm confident that the coaches will have them ready. It's just kind of a question of being out there and, and performing. So we'll We mentioned see. real quick before we go, we mentioned Mifflin's first five weeks, how brutal that is. Wilson's first four weeks, not exactly a slouch either. Mifflin, Springford, Central Dolphin, Warwick. Yeah. So we should know by the end of September where Wilson and Mifflin are. Yeah. And how they are going to be as teams in 2017. You know what? We talk about it a lot. How many times, like in college football, where we talk about, man, we wish teams went out and scheduled, you know, harder non conference games. I know it's not the same in high school, but give credit to Wilson and Mifflin. They've, they've done that, you know. Um, Wilson, you know, kind of going, running their own gauntlet there, but give it to Mifflin too, playing some 6A schools, which mm-hmm. helps them, but also good 6A schools. Yeah. And lots of people want to play 6A schools. Not a lot of teams want to play the good 6A schools. And that's what know? they're doing. And they are, you know, in, in Wilson and in Township, you know, 
So and Township also playing Central Dolphin. Yeah, so yeah. Township so. has Mifflin and Central Dolphin on their their non league schedule. Yeah. So you know, well the the best want to play the best, the best want to beat the best, and that's why they're the best. Yes. So you said it. <laughs> All right. One last time. Thank you to our sponsor. Uh, May Sandwich Shop, our anonymous sponsor. If you'd like to support us, visit bulldoghour.com for the different ways you can do that, including sponsorship and advertising and a PayPal link to uh, send in in-kind donations. And once again, like and share, spread the word all across social media and continue to visit bulldoghour.com. Well, I think that's it for everything for us on this episode of the Bulldog Hour. This is our last recorded show. From here on out, we will be doing this live, starting with the show on Sunday, September 3rd, 8.30 p.m. We'll be have week one of the regular season in the books. We'll be talking all about the Governor Mifflin game. And for everyone that's probably listening to this show, hopefully we're talking about Wilson's first victory of the 2017 season. That would make for a much better first live show, yes. Yes, I, I remember you know having to do the show after losses the last two, few years and it's two not years fun. ago i think like almost every show yeah. we did was after we only losses, did so. what like four the first year yeah. and i think two of the four or maybe three were after losses yeah it was not yeah it wasn't fun. wasn't as fun and that fun. team was very good too yeah. it's just like our timing was not great right. <laughs> our timing was not great for shows last year we did a little bit better and this year hopefully uh, we don't have any issues with that that, yeah. that would be wonderful yeah we'd like to avoid those if possible so. yeah it also means we get interviews because we, yeah. we don't talk to the coaches and players if they lose. It's nope, not, 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 not a yeah. thing you want to do. Yeah. Hey, how, you want to talk about that terrible last couple hours? No? All no, right. not really? Yeah. Okay. We'll move right along. Yeah. Actually, we, yeah, that gave a false impression. We don't even ask. We just kind of yeah, pack, we just pack, up pack our leave. things and leave. We're like, yeah, see you <laughs> next week. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Bulldog Hour. For Justin Rathoff and the Wilson Football Program, I'm Joe Mays. And remember... Go, Go Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.